Hey everybody, it's H, and welcome to the latest installment of Dune Pod, your one-stop shop to get ready for the new Dune movie. This week, I'm joined as always by my co-host Jason. That's how porn worked in the 90s. You had to wait until Robert Loja yeah. drove up and opened his glove box for you. You can just go on to your various hubs. And by the hosts of the low-rent horror podcast, Bat and Spider, Dale underscore A. I, uh, I just realized I'm back to being annoyed with this movie. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and Charles Forsman. He had hairy nipples, though. Did you see those nips? On this episode, we discuss David Lynch's 1997 surreal nightmare, Lost Highway. We discuss how this soundtrack changed our lives, how to spot a psychogenic fugue state, and accept David Lynch's blessing that a movie can mean whatever we want it to. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And now, without further ado, Lost Highway. You know, I so I've been following these two guys for quite a long time, and I just want to say welcome to Dune Pod here. We have the illustrious guests, Dale underscore A and Charles Forsman from Bat and Spider. Truly illustrious. Thank you. Appreciate the, uh, the invite, gents. This has uh, been... In the works for months now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Well, these guys noted huge dune heads. So they've been like constantly bugging me all the time. Like, when can we get on? We got, we got to get a chance to talk about it. That's a Uh, lie. It's the, it's the year of the worm. Everyone's a, everyone's a a dune fan now. Yeah. It's official. I don't know anything. Look, I don't know anything about dune. Yeah. Yeah. You like, you have no, you never, you haven't seen the Lynch movie even. No, that I have seen that. I keep forgetting I've seen that, so I do. I guess I know a little bit. I know yeah. the basics, I guess, but yeah. Give me a hot take on Dune, nineteen eighty four, by director David Lynch. I haven't seen it since whatever the uh, they did like a special edition VHS in the nineties. <laughs> special hmm. edition. Are you VHS? guys familiar with that? Came with extra. Tape. Well, yeah. I don't know. I think it yeah. it, can't, it was like a remaster. There, I remember they yeah. built it as that, and I I I was a kid, and I. For some reason, I was aware of David Lynch, so I got—I think I got it for Christmas or my birthday or something. But I remember <laughs> somebody gave it. My to you. brother pointing out though that they screwed up the remaster because um, I don't know the characters' names, but but the like the oxygen thing in his nose when he's like, uh-huh. on the planet—it's it's on the wrong side because they flipped the film around when they were oh. scanning. Oh the wow! Yeah, that's so this is Toby we're talking about. No, Zach. I have another Zach, brother. Okay. Yeah. The other brother. Okay. So we do have in common Bat and Spider and yeah. Dune Pod, both of our theme songs produced by Toby Forsman of Whip Song Music. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, that's right. So talented. Yeah. So so what about you, Dale? Do you have any any connectivity to Dune? I'm t- I mean, I sorry to come in here and just trash up your podcast with um, <laughs> Do it. Just shit on the floor and leave. But I no. Um <laughs> the closest I can say I got I'm getting to Dune is I just pre ordered um, Alejandro Hodorowski's Santa Sangre. Oh, yeah. Whoa. In 4K. Whoa. Oh, you're going in deep. Uh, yeah. And uh, so I'm. that's probably, you know, another six degree six degrees of Dune that yeah. you guys like to play over here yeah, on yeah. Pod. Of course. Have you seen any Jodorowsky movies? Oh, wow. Uh, no, I have not. Uh, oh, I saw... No, did I? No, I haven't. Holy Mountain? I haven't. El Topo. El Topo. Um, I saw a uh, a making of documentary on the island of Dr. Moreau that they compared to the making of Hodorowski's Dune, and I don't yeah. think it was very <laughs> similar. <laughs> yeah. 
Wait, oh, that was Frankenheimer, right? Yeah, Frankenheimer came in after Richard Stanley basically was just... Richard Stanley got the got the film together, got on location, and I think was just completely overwhelmed by uh, directing this huge, big production. So they they fired him and brought in Frankenheimer. You got yeeted. Wow. Um, yeah, like pretty close to, you know, weeks into production, and he finished the movie. Crazy. Mm. And changed everything. That's crazy. Mm. Yeah. That is, that's amazing. Well, I'm super excited to have you guys here. Thank you for joining. Yeah. Uh, we we are talking tonight about, uh, so speaking of Dune 1984 and David Lynch, we are talking about David Lynch, Master of the Surreal, his 1997 film, Lost Highway, mm. um, which is a hell of a ride, a hell of a flashback to the 90s. Uh, and we will get in there. We're just around the corner uh, at the bottom of the hour, Lost Highway. Um, but I just want to call out next week on Dune Pod, we have our second appearance for Dune 2021's Stilgar, Javier Bardem, mm. Mm. with special credit, the like number one, uh, you know, instigator on this pod, Roger Deakins. Mm. Ever heard of him? Sam Mendez. Mm. Uh yeah. Hello. We are talking the 1917 <laughs> crew before they did 1917 all together for James Bond Skyfall. Oh, that's great. What a delight. What a Whoa, delight. That, that's, that's such amazing. a nice, a nice change of pace from Lost Highway. Skyfall is definitely <laughs> a movie where you're not going to be, you don't have to like watch like an hour of YouTube explainers. Like just be like, no, no, right, no. Right. There are yeah. some spies. Oh I was, I'm so happy to Jason to hear you say that. Cause I'm, I was sweating <laughs> and I, I, I'm having a, just a little bit of caffeine coming into this. So like my heart's palpitating. <laughs> I'm sweating weirdly. Cause I haven't had co- caffeine in like three weeks right. and okay i'm just like what am i about to do here with lost yeah. highway i have no no that's place gonna... in this world but sky skyfall is something you could really yeah. s- just wrap your head totally. around you know that's right yeah that's right well and and so there was only one host that could come in here and wrap his head around it and bring us the enlightenment that we need so we have called out of retirement out of seclusion mr beer jonesy loves what? beer Oh my no god. Way. This uh, is we're finally completing the paper keg host uh Troika. Uh we've had Slim, we've had Dale, and now we have Jonesy Loves Beer, the least popular host on the show. Uh <laughs> and he is here to make good once and for all. So we're very excited about that next week. That's great. That's an amazing get. Jonesy wow. is a double O I mean he's <laughs> he's a uh, He's MI6, yeah. right? He yeah. is like he's been in there. He's the, the MI6 fan club. He's uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's pretty. Amazing. That guy has yeah. secured a clearance for sure. That's so cool. we're very excited for that. Skyfall is available for rent on all major 4K platforms. Oh, um, so so check that out. I don't think I'm going to have a 4K K mm-hmm. TV before next week, but I will enjoy watching it in human definition. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Shall we get into Dune news? Would you like to know more? Dun, dun, dun. There's a ton of Dune news. Just a chock, chock a block Dune news. Okay, hold on one second. I got to find. Got to find the Dune news. Where do you go for Dune news? The Reddit? I see H over here. He's um, opening the sand covered envelope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're in a, we're in a bit of a desert. Oh, we're in a, we're in a lull. We're in a lull of Dune news. Okay. 
So starting out with, you know, shattering Dune news. Here we go. Uh, yesterday was Oscar Isaac's birthday. Oh, big news. How old is Oscar Isaac yeah. now? 42. Oh, Jesus. It seems wrong that he's two years younger than me. Sorry. I feel like I feel like crawling into a hole and dying now. That's fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's fine. He's older than I thought he was. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 So that was my, that's our core piece of Dune news. I thought that was going to be it, but I did get one more uh, that I'm quite excited about. And that- I, I like, wait, I, I like how H was just like, oh, you, you, oh, really? You thought Oscar Isaac was- <laughs> Younger, <laughs> like we knew he here on Dupod, we know he's younger, but Charles Horson, you didn't. Oh, really? He just shoved me, shoved me right back in, into my kitty seat. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I no, I'm just like so much older than Oscar Isaac. I'm like shocked that <laughs> Jason says he's lost connectivity, but we see him, we hear we him, hear you. yeah, we see you. I did, I was, I was googling. I lo- I got dropped like this is some CIA shit right here. The NSA is on to me because I got oh, mm, I got dropped because I was looking. I remembered a piece of Dune news that I wanted to share that turns out to be over uh, two years old. But uh, <laughs> in a story from October of 2019, Oscar the headline is Oscar Isaac says it's hard to fit his butt and quote ethnic hips into the Millennium Falcon seat. Uh-oh. <laughs> And I had just Googled Oscar Isaac butt and my internet cut out. So y'all do the math uh, wow. on what happened there. Yeah. I'm, I am frightened. I've got my VPN. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, I thought you were going to say, I just Googled a piece of Dune News from two years ago. Oscar Isaac turns 40. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, Oscar Isaac. From two years ago. <laughs> that's great. Oh, my God. Oh, All right. Oh, so, so the... The only piece of actual Dune news that we have is soundtrack news. So Secrets of Dune shared some footage this week of Tina Guo, quote, channeling Arrakis for the Dune soundtrack. And so I'm just going to play a little bit of this clip so you guys can hear what this is. Check this out. It's like eruption, basically, but on cello. So is that really, that's from the soundtrack? This is her, I think this is her playing some inspo stuff, but basically she was adding this in collaboration with Hans Zimmer um, on the Dune soundtrack. So something similar to this will be vibes in there. I love that. They should throw out whatever Hans Zimmer did and just use that. That's actually really amazing. It's very uh, cinematic. Yeah. Can you imagine watching? I like that. Dune, Dune's on a strange planet with that. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it's got a Middle Eastern flair to it and a metal flair uh, that is pretty dope. All right. Are, are you guys ready? Are you guys ready to let's get, into, get this? into this movie? Oh, yeah. I can't wait. All right. Let's do it. 
David Lynch's Lost Highway is a dark and violent journey down the dangerous roads of possession and out of control passion. Fred Madison, a tortured jazz musician, and his gorgeous wife Renee are being stalked and hunted for unknown reasons by a terrifying man in black who can seemingly be at many places at the same time. When the unthinkable happens, Fred is left with blood on his hands and no memory of what occurred. Enter Pete Dayton, a gifted young auto mechanic who's also missing time. When Pete meets the gorgeous Alice, girlfriend of the dangerous boss, Mr. Eddie, he too finds himself hunted yet unable to resist temptation. Will Fred and Pete find a way to turn the tables and become the hunters? Or will they be left as wreckage along the lost highway? That's good. I like it. I like it when the, the the clip ends with the name of the movie. I think that's really that's really good. That's a nice. sign of really true good. talent. Yeah, that's yeah. as that's if it were a title card. As if it were a, like Ronin. Yeah, it's great. The titular line. Yes. Now you have to. Now you have to do it every time. <laughs> <laughs> or will. The Skyfall. Yeah, I love that Jason hasn't <laughs> noticed that I have done that every single time, 33 times before. No, now, so. really? He just, wo- he just woke up. <laughs> no, like normally you do, you don't end it in a sentence. You like say like, you know, something, something, something. It is movie name. You don't like actually uh, use it syntactically. Uh, do you? I don't know. Uh, you don't You don't say it ends in a Ronin. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, so... So this was my first time seeing this film. Have what? you guys seen this before? I saw it like I think I saw it like when it came out in the theater. I think I fell asleep in the movie because I only remember the first mm. half or something like that. Like my memory of it is very blurry. Um and I haven't reseen it. I, I was basically like watching it fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was my first time since I, I probably saw it when it came out on video. So I'm guessing ninety eight. Uh mm-hmm. I, me and my friends probably watched this. Um probably got it from the blockbuster watched it mm. and I, I still like for years my one friend buddy would say certain lines from this just from that one viewing like which line it was all mr Ed, mr eddie lines it was this is where mechanical excellence and 1400 horsepower pays off yeah because he yeah. he was a big <laughs> big into cars and he just like that line blew his mind he just thought it was oh, the yeah. funniest thing he'd ever heard in oh, his life yeah. how about you dale uh yeah, I've never I've never seen this. So this is a delight that I've I'm on board with so many other folks who haven't seen it or uh have have not seen it in 20 years. Um I the only thing I was I was pretty intimately familiar with the Lost Highway soundtrack. Oh it's yeah. Much, it's like real deal game changer and even when it came out really in 97. Yeah, I was working in like music stores at the time, but I was just hyper aware of the soundtrack and I was huge into soundtracks back in the late 90s and mm. just the uh the start, you know, what was on the soundtrack itself mm-hmm. was just masterful. So when you take to put to see those and hear those songs in the film itself was like, I got chills at times because I just, wow. I had listened to the soundtrack at so many. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, obviously it, it worked completely well. It might've been my um, favorite part of the movie. I like the movie, but that might've been the favorite part just to hear in the soundtrack or the songs interwoven like this in the movie. Yeah. I, I was really surprised that everything was in there too. Mm-hmm. Cause usually, mm. like, especially in the nineties, like they would just, 
make soundtrack Toss albums and just <laughs> yeah get a bunch of yeah. random Nickelback songs, you know, and throw them <laughs> on there. They had nothing to do with the movie, but right. But this was, I yeah. mean, I I know I'm a Nine Inch Nails guy, so I knew that yeah, you know, Trent was specifically hired. Trent Reznor, sorry, was yeah. hired to do this to supervise this whole soundtrack. So oh, he was, um, which is must have been like yeah, an early right. gig yeah. of his doing because like that's now his main thing is doing soundtracks. So this must have mm-hmm. like because this was like yeah. during. Like when Trent Reznor was like, he didn't do the actual soundtrack. That was Angelo Badalamenti. But you're saying Chuck that he sort of helped select some of no, the other did, stuff that was. He going did on. some stuff. Yeah, he did some. He did some stuff. Yeah. There's a track. There's at least one of the sinister kind of tracks that he actually has a credit on. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. it is good. It is good. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah. 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 Well, and and I so I will say, uh, you know, just even the way it starts out with this, this credits are very aggressive, um, just with the way that the the highway looks at night as it's yeah. driving, and then that Bowie track is intense. Yeah. I'm I'm deranged is the track off uh, mm-hmm. his 1995 album Outside. It's haunting. <laughs> yeah, haunting. Exactly. Yeah, it gave me flashbacks to Black Star, right? To his final his final album. Yeah. Um. So I I definitely thought that was intense. Um. And so we we go from the credits. We open up with Fred um, at you know at his house, and he just he looks shook. I mean, he he looks like a complete mess, smoking a cigarette, and basically a buzzer goes off. Uh, you know, from his gate, and somebody says, "Dick Laurent is dead." Yeah, and like mm. that's it. That's that's your intro to the story. It's like a kind of a wild, uh, you know. Where are we going here? According to uh, according to uh, Lynch, that's like that happened to him. Like that was that that beginning of the movie is like it was something that Whoa. happened to him. Like he was in a, his apartment. Someone hit the intercom. They said, "Is that David?" And he said, "Yes." Dick Laurent is dead, and he didn't know who Dick Laurent was. He still doesn't know. What? And like he, his apartment didn't have like a front facing window. So he had to like go around to see who was there. By the time he got there, the person was gone. And his only explanation was that his neighbor was also named David and was maybe like they were looking for, it was like this weird thing that happened to David Lynch and was one of the seeds of the movie. Hmm. Wow. And, and it's funny that what you just described was, um, the first 20 minutes of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. That's right. That's right. That one, that one piece of dialogue. takes a while. (laughs) Bill Pullman is kind of the perfect Lynch protagonist. You realize, though, like, it takes 20 minutes, but, like, from the beginning, you just get a lot of, like, face quiver, like, kind of just, like, you know, like, (laughs) he's clearly, like, kind of been through some sort of, you know, experience just waking up already, and it's just, like, fuck, existence. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, yeah, it's great. Yeah. He sells it. Yeah, you actually sold you. Yeah, you. You're absolutely right. He sells it, and and going into it, I was like, uh, you know, I was like, Bill Pullman. Really? I mean, mm-hmm. is this where we're at? You know, uh, I could just uh, the only thing I could picture was like Bill Pullman with his Independence Day hair. Like, yeah. he can never right. he never has like a good haircut <laughs> no. for some reason. But in here, he had a he had a great haircut, if I could say so. You know, that helped me um, believe him in this movie. Mm. Yeah. It helped me believe that, you know, for an otherwise hairless torso, his forearms were <laughs> disgustingly covered. He had hairy nipples, though. In, 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 in. Did you see those nips? Oh, my God. Yeah. I hairy did not see those nips. I was forearms. on alert. Mm, furry bastards. 
I felt like he was playing Trent Reznor though. Like, you mm. know, he's always got those black t-shirts on. He looked like kind of like a coked up LA type situation. And then when he's on stage playing that saxophone, like <laughs> the credits or the, uh, the, um, the captions said jazz music plays, yeah, but like that wasn't really it did jazz. Not sound yeah. like jazz music. Like, it was, uh, it was like it was like acid jazz. It was like jazz fusion or whatever. We were watching it. It was funny because we were watching it, as is a common theme on Dune Pod these past few weeks. We were watching it on relatively low volume in our living room with all the lights out and the white noise machine on as our infant daughter slept beside us. Uh, <laughs> and like when the ja- acid jazz comes on, it like the volume like just goes way up and way up, like there's yeah. strobe lights going off. Like it's yeah. just like, you know, it's like a whole oh epileptic gosh. fit. And and it's just like, you know, she like wakes up and, and like it's like, <laughs> all right, this isn't it's not going great so far. Right. Yeah, that whole scene, man, when he starts vibing and that and the strobe lights start kicking out, like was what so into it. What scene are we like, what is this? I love it. Yeah. I love it so much. Yeah. It's funny you say it's like he's playing Reznor. Reznor does play the saxophone. And I w- Are you oh. serious? Yeah, and I was hoping that was him playing, but it, it's a, it, the track's credited to Angelo, so I don't. But I don't know. Maybe he did play on it. Yeah. That would be dope if he did. Um, that would be amazing. But wow. yeah, speaking of significant others, I I played the trailer for this uh, mm. to my partner Melissa to see if she wanted to watch. I I mean I knew the answer, but we got halfway through the trailer and she saw She's Robert like, Blake's out. face and was like, "Yeah, I'm not I'm not <laughs> watching this." And even still, I went upstairs to watch it. And then she started texting. She's like, "That movie sounds horrifying." She she could just hear yeah. like the, the yeah. rumbling, <laughs> yeah, the soundtrack, <laughs> bad vibes like coming from above. It's too scary. <laughs> yeah. Jason's like trying to hold like something to block the baby, like yeah. a, like a lead shield. Uh, you know, when he's getting an X ray, he's like trying to keep the Lynch vibes yeah. off. The Lynch particles. She texted uh, Chuck a half hour in. She says, "Is anybody going to say anything in that movie? <laughs> Does anybody speak?" <laughs> There's no dialogue. Well, so we so we do have established. Uh, we have Patricia Arquette plays his wife Renee, mm-hmm. um, and so she is like a bombshell in this movie. Mm-hmm. Bella, she has the haircut and and the whole thing. Like she was definitely a presence. Um, although a lot of their interaction was very uh, stilted and and slightly bizarre. Um, I thought. Yeah. What did you guys think of them? Like those early scenes where they're acting with each other. I mean, I loved it. Say more. Because, I, I, uh, I mean, I read a little bit about it, so it spoiled me about what was going on. But I love, my, my first thing was just like, man, I love all the space that they're just letting sit here between dialogue. Because yeah. it's just so, I mean, it is, it's off-putting and it's stilting because when you watch a normal, you know, most movies, they're trying to get information out in this dialogue. But this right. is just completely unconcerned with that, which I, I love, I, I'm, I love dead air in movies i feel like it's not used enough uh mm. because and and I, this movie works it tells so much you know like dale's joking about there being no dialogue but but <laughs> like i knew exactly i knew what was going on the my, my whole thing like like when i watched this as a teenager i had no idea what was going on i was like wow that was crazy i guess i liked it but this time 
Uh-huh. But being an older person, I I I I stuck with it. I, I got it. <laughs> mm. Uh I did a little research afterwards, which helped enlighten it, but this was a much more rewarding viewing, I think. Oh. Nice. Yeah, Matt, you 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 brought up do they call you, you call yourself Matt or H on the Either way, podcast? either way is fine. He prefers H. Okay. Thank you, Jason. Either way, whatever you like. <laughs> I, I previously had a hyphenated name, so for 20 years I was Matt HH, and then I got yeah. divorced and I became a single H, but a lot of people still called me double H or H squared or whatever, and I was like, get that shit out of here. And somebody <laughs> somebody in the paper keg crew, I think it was Slim maybe, somebody just called me H one day, maybe it was Jonesy, and I was just like, yeah, that works, do that. H, yeah. And Chuck talking about the, the, the weird, awkward space, I mean, th- it was... I, I I can't explain it, but it was awkward, but it was masterfully acted to be awkward. Mm. Like the way they ha- they shared screen time together, but everything about them, their expression, their their body language, their the the weirdness that hung in the air while they spoke to each very other. Very flat delivery. Very flat, very awkward. Like, do these people even know each other and they're married? You know what I mean? It was but at, at times when you see especially Patricia act around other people or, um, you know, when she's trying to butter up Pete, it's, she's like a totally different person. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's awkward to a, a an nth degree, but yeah, yeah I like for as much as I was fearful going in watching a David Lynch movie, you know, I'm not, I'm usually not too cool about that. Uh, yeah, I was, it, I got something out of it, which I can say was, that's really amazing for me. I was, hmm. Nice. Awesome. Cool. Nice. Well, so we so we do have it established. Um, she doesn't come to the club with him. He kind of wanted her to, but she stays home. He calls home from the club after his set, and she doesn't answer the phone. So we are establishing there's some jealousy or some some concern there. Um, but he does come home and find her in bed. And then the next morning they wake up, and there's a videotape on the doorstep. And they open it up, they watch it, and it's video from outside their house. And then it cuts to to static. Um, and we have a little bit more that, that kind of develops, but then we go to some sexy times. We have the, the first of the of the big sexy times in this film. Um, and I, I just want to say the the constant eye contact that was maintained during that that sex scene was a little unnerving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's not meant to be good sexy, right? I mean, like it's meant to I mean, like it's like a kind of a key point that the sex is bad. Uh, mm. and I also like when she picks up, I like that when she picks up the videotape, she's wearing like platform heels, like four inch platform yeah. heels, just like it's nine, 9 a.m. wearing my all black platform heel outfit to pick up the mail. <laughs> and like her explanation for why there's a VHS tape dropped off. She's like, ah, much must be a real estate agent or something. No big deal. This isn't weird or <laughs> right. anything. Um, right. But yeah, and then they have kind of uh, yeah. like bad sex. Uh, I'm glad you brought up the the eye contact during the sex because it wasn't just during the sex. Even I noticed it first when she brings in the videotape and her and Bill Pullman are standing there. They do not take their eyes off of each other's eyes like the whole scene. Mm. Uh, Interesting. They they rarely will break and look at the envelope with the tape, but they're like glued. It must have been a conscious thing because it stuck out to me. Yeah. Well, I also noticed after they have sex and she pats him on the back and says it's okay. First of all, she was she was wearing a man's wedding ring, oh, which I found I confusing. And then second of all, like he starts free, he freaks out and kind of like lays down and then tells her about the dream where he, you know, she was calling his name and he couldn't find her. And then he wakes up with a start and looks over and she has <laughs> the man who yeah. we will find out, the man of black's face. 
Are you all right? That was unnerving. It's unnerving. It's also David Lynch says in an interview I saw that that is his favorite scene in the movie. Like the the, <laughs> oh. the mystery the mystery man's face superimposed on Patricia Arquette's head. It's an it's, it's actually this interview. I think it must be from a DVD extra. I just saw it on YouTube, but uh, it was done long after the. I think it was done like relatively recently, and because mm-hmm. the interview starts with him saying, uh, "Well, I don't know what I'm going to be able to tell you because um, I don't remember things very well, <laughs> and I don't really remember the movie." And like he, he, he ends up being pretty forthcoming about the movie, which is good. But they ask him at the end, like you know, it, another weird thing about this video is that they don't they don't show the interviewer questions; they only show David Lynch. And so it is inferred that he's asked, what is your favorite scene? He's like, oh, my favorite scene. Let me think. And then there is a, I want to say like a 90 second pause as he sits quietly, <laughs> just like replaying the entire uh, movie in his mind. Just Yeah. That's exactly. I watched that interview today and that's oh, exactly yeah. what I was thought. I was like, oh, he's, he's watching the movie in his yeah. head, I think. Like very yeah. still, just kind of looking down in the corner, just like. Oh my God, for ninety seconds. It's that it's that transcendental meditation. Yeah, exactly. He's know. doing a little yeah. TM right yeah. then. Yeah. yeah, good for you, David Lynch. He seems like a real fun guy. I would like to have a drink with David Lynch. Oh yeah, we'll get him on the pod. Yeah, David Lynch, come on, Dune Pod. So so then we get another tape the next day, and this time, uh, you know, we have both uh, uh, footage from outside, but now footage inside the house into their bedroom and footage of them sleeping, which freaks them out. Obviously concerning. Yeah. So they call the cops. The two best detectives in the world come. Love these guys. Love these guys. Those guys guys are amazing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, in, in the midst of other things, they ask, uh, you know, whether they have any video recorders in the house. And Renee says that Fred hates video recorders. And, uh, Fred says, I like to remember things my own way. What do you mean by that? Yeah. How I remembered them. Not necessarily the way they happened. I want that. I wanted that line. Like, I, I zeroed in on that. I was like, okay, that's going to be the key to this whole thing. Huge. To unlocking yeah. it. But I'm not sure it is. I mean, I think that's what's fun about this because I have I have so many theories. Like, when he talked about her uh, her patting him on the back after they have sex... Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of focus on her, her breasts during that scene. And there's a and there's a scene later in the movie, focused on that. And to me, it was like, oh, there's some there's mom issues going on here. Like I kept getting <laughs> signals of like breastfeeding and mothering and interesting, uh, you know, <laughs> jeez. And and that kind of fed into the whole transformation. Like it's going to be a rebirth for him. And oh, uh, that's great. But I don't know. I mean, that's a, damn Chuck taking levels. I love it. I like it. Jesus, Chuck. But see, that's but that's what Lynch. That's what he's doing, right? Like he, like I watched that interview too, and he 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 specifically says he's like, I'm not going to give you any answers because I, I don't want to tell you what this move, what I was thinking. I want you to take from it what right. you get, which right. is you know, good art. Uh, well, I, ha- I have, so I, I pulled a quote from, from the article uh, or from an interview as well, where basically that he was asked, this was a French interview that happened. And she asked how, what he thinks about audiences feeling lost. I think they're not so lost as you might think, because um, there's many ways to understand something. And um, it, it's tr- true in life. You feel something going on. You feel a, a truth or something, but you can't articulate it, and yet you know it. 
and so it's really like um, you know a free fall sort of 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 just going and letting go and going and 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 uh, that's a nice uh, thing for any film just to let it let it happen yeah, that's great Nice. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, so we cut from there to the L.A. Hills party. At Andy's house. Jesus Christ. What a scene. Yeah. The music, the music <laughs> in this scene is fucking amazing. Yeah. Uh, I love, I absolutely loved it. Um, so let's start with Andy's mustache. Tough. Never, just never a good look. There's never a reason to do the yeah. pencil, the pencil, like, like, uh, you know, looks like someone is going to tie you to a train track and you're going to have to be rescued by, you know, some guy in a white hat situation. Has anyone here ever done a pencil mustache? Anybody? <laughs> no. Of the four of us? I'm, I'm due to trim up the beard, though. I could try it for, I could try it for Dude Pod promotion. If we get, if this episode gets 10,000 listens, I will, ha- I will wear a pencil mustache. <laughs> a pencil mustache? Go full John Waters. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. I love it. It was like a Jan and Jan and Wayne Skyler from uh, the the only married news team and Tim and Eric. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Tim and Eric, I feel like like those cop the detective characters like it yeah. when they come in, it feels like you're watching an episode of Tim and Eric because yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely yeah. being played I don't, for a laugh. Yeah, like I don't know if those guys are actors or not, but it's like right. they're they're just regular people pretty much like they're not Mm. doing their Hollywood thing, which I I really appreciate. Yeah. But Dale, I feel like if you were given another chance, you would be Andy. I feel like if you had another chance at life, do you think that Mm. I could see you in that room? Chuck, you know me too well. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Throwing parties. Dale running shit. It is, it is, it is Hollywood Hills home. Man, man, who knows what would be going on with the swimming pool. Oh yeah. The man, a, Oh my god! <laughs> In that swimming pool, mm. cheeks. Um, so we have, uh, you know, Andy is flirting with Renee, and um, we skip by it. But uh, Fred had had kind of a, a waking memory of seeing Renee leaving a show that he was performing with Andy on the way out the door. Um, so you have that jealousy there. But she sends him; she's already drunk, and she sends him to get another drink at the bar. And he goes there and turns and sees the man in black. So Robert Blake. <laughs> like what, what are you guys Im- impressions i mean i only kind of know robert blake from having been in this movie and murdering his wife so it's like <laughs> allegedly uh, well having been allegedly. having been civilly having been found like civilly liable for murdering his wife um yeah. and uh i had completely forgotten about that really <laughs> oh i couldn't yeah. i could oh, not that's, stop that's thinking like about it. this movie or after it was after it was no, it was after, after. <laughs> it was after <laughs> I knew it was around. It's not, it's too, not too far. far. It's four years like five years. Four years right, after this movie. Go, I was worried about Marilyn Manson in this ep- in this episode. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, also nice. probably. We're really we're really stepping in it. Oh, that was a huge bummer. Yeah, yeah. big yeah. bummer. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Keep going. But so the crazy thing about Blake in this movie is, uh, he didn't say it at the time, but in the same interview we were talking about, Lynch says that one of his inspirations for this movie was how affected he was by the OJ trial. Whoa. Uh, yeah. And. Uh, that he was affected by the OJ trial, specifically the idea that a person could murder his wife and then just go about their business. That like you right. can uh, create your the mind can create some kind of 
uh, defenses to protect itself and go on living. So how does the mind yeah. trick itself in order to survive some kind of trauma like that? It was like a, almost a direct quote from that interview. Uh, and that's what he realized, that's what he was interested in, uh, in making uh, this movie, which is, you know, uh, which is like, that's like a big kind of, I think, key to the puzzle or whatever is that this is a movie yeah. about a guy who actually does kill his wife gets arrested put on death row and then um he creates this like fantasy or, or alternate reality you know he his mind does something in order to kind of deal with that um and lynch describes it as a psychogenic fugue in the same interview which he he, he says what what's going on with like you know uh, someone like oj or or whoever but anyway the point is he was inspired by oj a guy who uh was <laughs> He killed his wife, was found criminally, uh, uh, you know, not guilty, and then subsequently, you know, was found in a civil trial to be uh, liable for his wife's death. And then, like, his co-star in the movie uh, allegedly kills his wife and then is found criminally not guilty and civilly liable for the death of his wife. It's, like, pretty <laughs> pretty wild, like, even for Lynch. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty uh, wild turn of events. Wow. The other horrible thing that I read is that Robert Blake came up with his look on his own, Ooh. which <laughs> made me very Seriously? uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm serious. I don't know. I realized they didn't his eyebrows the, were shaved. Yeah, they I didn't, didn't mention that. the eyebrows, but he came up with the haircut and putting like kabuki makeup on. But well, I'll, I'll tell you, it works. It fucking works. <laughs> um, and and also, like as he walks up, the music just fades down. Ugh. We've met before, haven't we? I don't think so. Where was it you think we met? At your house, don't you remember? No, no, I don't. Are you sure? Of course. As a matter of fact, I'm there right now. Mm. And gives Fred his phone, has him call his own house, and then he answers the phone. How'd you get inside my house? You invited me. It is not my custom to go where I'm not wanted. Who are you? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Give me back my phone. Yeah. Absolutely terrifying. Yeah. yeah, and like stereo sound, is a stereo laugh. We get from there to, so um, Fred goes up and asks, um, he asks Andy, who is that guy? And he says, he's a friend of Dick Lorenz. Mm -hmm. And uh, Fred says, well, isn't Dick dead? And Andy freaks out. He's like, no, he couldn't be dead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so important that you hear that first line of dialogue. <laughs> In the movie, uh, D Dick Laurent is dead because I think I had the volume down too low. And, and I, went, I went back and replayed it and I still could not hear what he was saying. I, I should have put the subtitles on. Yeah, I always, I always instantly, have subtitles. I instantly turned the subtitles yeah, on. Yeah. I had to rewind and subtitles it, like, in order yeah. to get there. So it took me a while to like catch up with the name, mm -hmm. just hearing the name Dick Laurent and like realizing that was the yeah. the name that was said at the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> That's a key detail. Yeah. Meanwhile, back at the house, it looks like somebody's inside. They go in, he goes inside, he can't find anybody. And there's just this long scene of him walking around, her getting ready for bed. Every, like the hallways just go to absolute black abyss. 
Um, yeah. And I just kept thinking, like, couldn't Love there it. be like a Lutron smart system in here? Like, can we get some? Well, it's 1998. I mean, you know. <laughs> I don't know what those words are you just said, Matt. <laughs> yeah. What is Dale, that? you're with me. Matt's doing. Matt's that's a sign of a man who's doing a home remodel, incidentally. But, uh, <laughs> but, but like I think so. A couple notes on the a couple notes on the house, which is pretty wild. Uh, like the all of the walls are basically like this mauve, like kind of puce, like purpley beige color, mm. which is just weird. All of the furniture is super fucking weird. Like the TV is on like a red and a yellow block. There's another like weird, like abstracty coffee that. table. Like the painting, like the sofa is like super weird and low. The there's like two paintings yeah. behind the sofa that are super tiny. And I was like, man, they really the producer did those paintings. Uh, yeah, uh, D- David Lynch's partner. Really, for many years. Yeah, yeah. I was so I was watching the movie. I was like, man, they really dressed this place super weird yeah. and like this is like a strange idea patricia norris was the production designer uh, and she'd partnered with him before did the production design for wild at heart which is one of my favorite movies of all time it's a great movie but then it turns out that this apartment uh they were looking for locations for a long time uh and i like, couldn't find the right one and lynch really was like oh my house is kind of perfect for it but like i don't want to shoot a movie at my house and then he found this location that like he found this house that was being sold for like a good price and so he bought the house so that they could just dress it how he wanted and like with like Whoa. furniture that he designed uh and then he like now lives in that house like the the interview that we keep talking about Whoa. was like done in that house which is just like what a That's what a nut crazy do I, do I love this movie? Dude? Yeah. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> so, so my next note in the in my journal here is literally anything could be happening right now. Like I just had no clue. We have Fred staring, uh, you know, in the dark, looking into the mirror, and then it cuts straight to the VCR, uh, the TV, and a new tape. And Fred puts the tape in and is watching it, and it goes inside into the bedroom, and it's footage of him having killed Renee and kind of, um, I don't know, what reaction would you say Chuck he has there? Well, I, well, yeah, I mean, he's shocked because it's him killing his wife. Uh, <laughs> no, in the tape, in the tape. Yeah. What reaction do you think? It, it seemed like, uh, I don't know, it was a weird, his face that he oh. made was kind of like anguished I mean, and ecstatic maybe. Could you see? It was so blurry. I, I guess I couldn't really tell. It was blurry. But But right before that, before he gets the tape is very... I wanted to ask you guys what happens there or what you think happens because that whole night ends with Renee looking through the dark hallways because he disappeared mm-hmm. or seemingly mm-hmm. disappeared. That's what I took it as. He's That's the last he, thing. She's like looking down the abyss of yeah. the hallway, right? Yeah. And it's a, it's just unnerving the way he cut it because it's not, it doesn't give you any clear answers as to like, yeah. oh, yeah, something. It's hard to fill in that gap and it's still bothering me. So he said he said in his dream, which he previously described, that he had a dream of being inside the house and Renee was calling her name, but he couldn't find her. Right. Oh, um, okay. So maybe he's in the abyss and oh. she's calling out to him, and that was like a temporal kind of yeah. view um, to the past or the future. I don't, I don't know when any of this stuff is actually happening based on the loop, um, but shit is weird. I don't think we're I don't think we're yeah. meant to understand entirely literally what's happening in this moment because I think this is the moment that encompasses like the psychogenic fugue creation state like breakdown. the breakdown yeah because yeah. it's like he murders his wife because he suspects she's having an affair or she is having an affair or, you know whatever uh and you know that act 
like splits his mind basically and then we yeah. kind of jump forward to he's already been convicted of the crime um and so like he's like you know he's are like the the actual commit the actual cre- cre- you know doing of the crime is like too traumatic event to be portrayed mm. literally or right. realistically um right. and so it's all much more kind of just like expression it's like and dreamlike uh yeah that's a really good point and that really it it brings out his his whole thing about how he hates video cameras and right. he likes to remember his memories as he remembers them and not videotape so it's like shocking for him mm-hmm. his mind already blanked the um, murder and then he sees yep. it on the tape and it's it's like a yeah Freaks just like a, a brain lightning bolt yeah <laughs> and he's watching exactly what happened yeah. which is jarring to him because he already had in his yeah. own memory created his mind reality. already took care of it. Mm. I uh, <laughs> I just realized I'm back to being annoyed with this movie. Oh shit, man! <laughs> we got one more. Yeah, we got one more swing yeah. back. Oh, we yeah, have yeah. Ma- we have many swings. This yeah. is a lot. This is a, a real journey. So so he's the, in jail. We'll get next to the next naked part, and then I might. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so in prison, uh, first of all, you never see any other prisoners. Yeah. It's only him, um, and you do have Henry Rollins as one of the guards. And Fred is basically freaking out. He's having headaches. He's having visions. He's getting blurred vision. Um, and I do love the moment where Rollins says, Shit. That wife killer's looking pretty fucked up. Which one? <laughs> Which one? And they both, they laugh. They, they just laugh. They laugh, yeah. It's a good looking prison. How about that? That's, it's like the first moment of comedy and levity in the whole thing. And it, it yeah. It yeah. was, I loved it. I, it was a welcome uh, sort of break. It was like an opposite of a scare, you know? I like in, uh, I like his, um, his credit at the end of the movie is guard Henry. <laughs> oh, really? And, and the other one is like guard Frank or whatever. Nice. <laughs> like, that's how they're, that's how they're li- listed. I love that. Amazing. So, uh, so Fred begins having some extreme visions. Um, he's seeing the man in black in a cabin. He sees the highway and then he sees a family shouting, Pete, don't go. Um, and there's a lot of blurs and some crazy stuff going on. And all of a sudden Fred is gone and Pete is in the cell instead. And Mm -hmm. this is our introduction to Pete, his parents played by Gary Busey, uh, and his mom come in and get him and take him home. Like, what were you thinking at, at this point in the film? Yeah, I mean, I think watching it the first time, I was like, uh, I was just like, okay, uh, so is this a new movie now? Like, did we yeah. you know, like did we start over? Like, the first movie was for jokes? Especially because it's so weird, even for the people in the jail. Right. They're like they look in the cell they sell and they're like, Oh, this is not Fred anymore. So clearly <laughs> something physically happened right. to where there's a new person instead of Fred. And I was like, What is going on here? So it's not like, you know, Fred was inside this other guy, Pete, the whole time, and now we're seeing Pete for the first time, but it's always been Pete. I I was like, What is going on here? Why is it uh Yeah. Also, Gary Busey shows up, which is gonna which is gonna throw you a little bit too. But he played a uh, Gary Busey. I will say had a very understated performance in this film. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Potentially yeah, the most cool. the reserved Gary. Yeah, the coolest Gary Busey we've seen so far. Yeah. I wonder if he was just like still a maniac off camera. No, <laughs> totally. <just> <laughs> uh, so so Pete goes home um, with his folks. He goes out with Sheila, his girlfriend, and his friends, including Giovanni Rabisi. 
Is this before or after Virgin Suicides? It must be before. Got to be pretty close, I would imagine. But, um, And so she asks him what happened the other night, and he says that he can't remember. So I, I love the fact that they're just very clear that, that shit is fucked up. Mm-hmm. Balthazar Getty yeah. as, as, as Pete. Uh, Thank you. Who uh, sort of disappears uh, from life after this. Oh. So, yeah. So what happened? I remember reading an article. I couldn't find it today. I looked for it. But, like, he was supposed to be the next, yeah, basically, the next like, thing. the next River Phoenix, right? Yeah. Whoa, really? He was in some stuff, right? He was on some TV shows, I think. He has. Yeah. He's been working yeah. um, still. But I didn't realize he was a Getty. Um, yeah, that's the other well. thing. He's a Getty. <laughs> so... He doesn't have to work. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, all right, so now we get to my favorite part of the film. Oh, yeah. um, so Pete goes to work. He's a mechanic. He, he's a great mechanic, and he goes to Arnie's, you know, uh, Firestone, Bridgestone, all of the product placement in this film was very aggressive uh, forward. Um, but he goes to work, and his boss, played by Richard Pryor, in one of the most uncomfortable mm. cameos I've seen in a long time. Arnie. Where you been? How you doing? It's good you're back. Wonderful. Good to see you, man. Really, man. Good a lot of people going to be real happy that you're back, including me. And his last role ever. It was the last time. Are you serious? Yeah, it was the last wow. time Richard Pryor's in, on film. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot he wow. had, I don't know if he, I, th- I know he had heart attacks and stuff, but it almost seemed like he had a stroke or something. I think he had Parkinson's. Or no, no, he had, he had MS, right? Or or MS, MS, yeah, yeah. MS, yeah, yeah. That's what because mm. he's in a wheelchair the whole time. I, I will say for me, I'm again, I'm ten plus years older than you guys. Um, Silver Streak from like 1978 or something. Uh, Richard Pryor and Gene Hackman was like one of my all time favorite movies as a kid. Yeah, um, and I absolutely loved loved that guy. So it was different feelings uh, seeing him at the end. So Pete is there, and Mister Eddie comes in mm-hmm. in his. His Mercedes, similar to the Ronin mm-hmm. uh, Mercedes, he comes in, Robert Loggia, in, I would say, an aggressive performance. Yeah. King. Robert Loggia? King Loggia. Robert Loggia. <laughs> yeah. Just great. I love that orange juice commercial. That's my favorite. That's, yeah. that, that's my favorite Robert <laughs> Loggia performance of what all What orange time. juice commercial? Try some new Minute made orange tangerine. It's got calcium. Then I'm not drinking it. Oh, no. It's sweet. You'll like it. I don't believe you. Well, then who would you believe? I don't know, Robert Loja. Whoa, Robert Loja. Billy, your mother's right. New Minute Maid Orange Tangerine tastes great. And it's got as much calcium as milk. If you say so, Mr. Loja. Yeah. Thank you, Jason. I love you. And Robert Robert Loja walks in. It's like, yeah, it's Minute Maid Tangerine Orange Juice. It's sweet. Or whatever. And like... The kid loves it. It's great. The kid's like Robert Loja. God, he's amazing. It's like an early. It's like an early, like kind of super weird, absurd, amazing. Ad. Produced by Tim and Eric. Yeah, it has that vibe. <laughs> it's basically is like a, it's an early. It's an early Tim and Eric ad. Loja's in the uh, Tim and Eric billion dollar movie. You'll put so. it in. I'm sure. I, oh, I definitely. Yeah. It's already in. It's already it's in. Oh. It's already. It just happened. The, from I don't now. I know you know. I know Robert Loja as a. The actor, mm-hmm. um, uh-huh. but he played it. I I can't. As I rec- 
record this with you guys, I can't think of like all the films that Robert Loja has been in, but I do know that this is a pretty straight character for Robert Loja. This is like uh, there's no comedic really elements to it. He's you know he's pretty mobby or or you know mm-hmm. whatever up until you know he he uh, he goes on about like rules of driving yeah <laughs> like he he <laughs> so good so he takes pete out to to tune the mercedes um and and pete tunes it on the on the road and and he says best goddamn is in town <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like let's take it for a drive and they're cruising and he's getting tailgated by a guy who is honking and and beeping um and so chuck give us the line read again please this is where mechanical excellence and 1,400 horsepower pays off. <laughs> and so, he, and he's got his he's, like two musclehead goons in the back seat, and like as soon they, as they like, buckle their they buckle up as soon as they know he's pissed yeah. about in being sync tailgated. in complete synchronization. Yeah. Like they're like they're like yeah, this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> And so he rear ends this guy, drives him off the road. I thought he was going to drive him like all the way off a cliff and kill yeah. him, but then he gets out and begins screaming. Whatever. Do you know how many fucking car lengths it takes to stop a car at 35 miles an hour? Six fucking car lengths. That's 106 fucking feet, Mister. If I had to stop suddenly, you would have hit me. I want you to get a fucking driver's manual. I want you to study that motherfucker. And I want you to pay the goddamn rules. 50 fucking thousand people were killed on the highway last year because of fucking assholes like you. I was laughing hysterically. Dude, the <laughs> he says, if I, if I had hit my brakes, he would have run into me. Right. <laughs> He's like, tell me you're going to go get a manual. And get the bodyguard's like, just tell him you're going to go get a manual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The guy's crying and it's, yeah. That's that's what I think the highlight of the movie really is the the Robert Lozier yeah. driving scene for sure. Did you guys hear how he got this role? It's no, a pretty great story. So Robert Lozier wanted the Frank Booth role in Blue Velvet. He wanted it really mm. badly, and when he found out that it went to Dennis Hopper, apparently he went on a raving rant like this. <laughs> Whoa. Like he does in this movie, like, you know, lots of expletives and stuff. Yeah. And David Lynch, I, I don't know if he saw that or heard about it or whatever, but that's, he, he was like, oh, he's going to play this character because uh. <laughs> he lost his fucking mind. <laughs> oh, that's great. And he can pull this off. You know what? Robert Loja coming yeah. after you. Yeah. All right. Wow. All right. That was, that's amazing. So, so the cops have been following Pete the whole time and they ID Mr. Eddie as Laurent. So that's like the big dun, 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 something is happening here. Don't die, Matt. So my next, my next note is just Pete is lucky with the ladies. So Dale, here we go. Here's your turn. So we have him riding with Sheila in the car. Yeah. That's it. it? Hey Dale, you like pornos? (laughs) Give you a boner. (laughs) This will give you a (laughs) boner. Gives you that a boner. Line is amazing. Yeah. Best best line in the movie. Give you a boner. Give you a porno, sir. <laughs> yeah, gives you a boner. <laughs> so yeah, he tries. I'm like, he just has it in his glove compartment. I love it. Yeah, 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 Mr. Eddie, <laughs> so and, and Pete does not take the tape. 
That's how porn worked in the 90s. You had to wait until Robert Loja yeah. drove up and opened his glove box for you. You couldn't just go <laughs> onto your various hubs. <laughs> You're right. All right, so speaking of porn, so the next scene, Mr. Eddie brings Alice Walker to the auto shop. The slow motion shot as Lou Reed, this magic moment yes. plays out. Oh man. Oh, that's great. God. I got goosebumps. Beautiful. This is, I think, mm. this is, I think, what Lynch, this is why David Lynch is a fun filmmaker. Is that like sometimes like narrative, like I don't think this is a, I don't think Lost Highway is a masterpiece. I think like, you know, Blue Velvet and Mohan. I think Mohan Drive is basically Lost Highway, but just much better done. Uh, Never seen it. Oh, it's basically the same movie. Uh, it's 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 essentially the same idea. Like someone commits a crime. No spoilers. I mean, like you know, it's the same movie in the sense that like there's two stories and they interlap, and because someone's entered a psychogenic fugue, um, and but it's much more. It's got much more of this like moment, like these highly stylized, like oh, like mm. this shouldn't work. Like it's sort of camp, but it's not. Like it's it's you know it exists in some sort of you know, uh, like in-between state of surrealist camp um mm. and I, I think like if if it if it's tuned just like a little bit off it totally just seems ridiculous and doesn't work um but when it does work it's you know it's magical Magic. it's showing you something yeah. you never would have expected yeah i mean uh if i wasn't already in love with patricia arquette yeah. in this movie that this scene yeah did it again yeah, yeah um, seriously and like Incredible. lou reed Lou Reed's warbly, shitty voice was just awesome. <laughs> yeah. Just the whole vibe and the, I mean, the song just makes it just. The song is unreal. Yeah, yeah it shit. is. And Patricia Arquette does a great job, like, sort of selling the fact that this is a different character. Like, you believe, I mean, besides the fact, you know, that she's got a different hair color. Like, you know, I, I was like, oh, yeah, like, it's definitely not Renee. Like, whatever, whoever this person is, I don't, I don't believe, I don't think it's Renee. Like, the fact that they look alike is, um, sort of uh, you know is is relevant but not is not the convincing <laughs> fact mm -hmm. i uh, yeah i had no idea what the fuck was going on yeah well this goes back to the the psychogenic fugue yeah uh you know his life before the transformation was dull and angsty and you know their relationship was not great but in his new life his you know if we're calling it that his made up mind life uh, as Balthazar Getty, it's a lot more, mm. you know, it's like he's in a film noir movie. Like, yeah. Shit gets interesting. He's having sex constantly with right. every woman mm. he meets. <laughs> right. Uh, and, you know, and then he's getting sucked into doing a crime. Like it's, it, yeah. it's right. you know, it's like, like a total flip. Yeah. yeah. He's good at, he's good at having the sex now where he was bad before. Yeah. He's given up the terrible saxophone oh, playing for. And so it uh, makes yeah. sense that his wife is now like a totally different person almost. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. I, I took him as being successful as Fred Madison. Um, so I, I guess I didn't look at it as sort of like, Nebishy and then all of a sudden superhero noir uh, guy. I don't think but... Nebishy. I think I think his life was I think it was more dull his life. Yeah. Mm. And I think maybe their relationship wasn't in the best spot. Right. 
Well, speak, speaking of not dull, so so Alice comes back to the shop, this time without Mr. Eddie, and she asks him out, and there's a lot of heat there. She's going to take mm-hmm. him to dinner, Woo! and then she, she says, let's skip dinner and head to the, t- the hotel. And I love it. At this moment, you cut to the cops that are outside watching him in the hotel, and this is my favorite line of the movie. Fucker gets more pussy than a toilet seat. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that's, pretty, I feel that's a pretty quotable line from this movie. Yeah. But those cops were just in disbelief. Like yeah. they kept cutting yeah. to them every time he yeah. got yeah. another score. Exactly. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're, they're working 20 hours a day yeah. to tell this guy. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Eating Duncans. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so now we have, uh, you know, as their relationship starts to get a little bit more real, we have Alice um, talking about how she first met Mr. Eddie. And I thought this scene was actually pretty amazing. Um, and it was very intense where she's she's there. First of all, the shot of the guy like weightlifting uh, in a Speedo, um, I thought was amazing. Um, but then also the guy having the gun on her as she is stripping for Mr. Eddie. And there's definitely a moment where like there's a turn for her where she goes from being afraid to her being into it, I would think. Um, you tell me if I if I read that wrong, but I looked at it as her kind of taking some power in that moment, which was um, an interesting question. Uh, for me, this one I think worked a little less well for me. This seemed this seemed a little bit more like like male wish fulfillment than like some of the, there's like equivalent scenes in other Lynch. Movies. It only gets worse from here, dude. Like yeah, all the rest from here on out are not better than this. No, I I, I don't disagree. I just mean like the the like sort of. Uh, like, you know, I think like the, the Isabella Rossellini, the introduction of Isabella Rossellini in Blue Velvet, I think is mm-hmm. like a, I mean, it's not as gratuitous. It's not as explicit. She's not naked. Well, she's naked later in the movie. She's not naked when she's singing Blue Velvet. I think is like kind of a better version of that where you're like, um, you just get a little bit more of like her character in that scene. But I mean, I, I you know, I liked, I liked Robert Loja's performance in this scene. Cause he's got this weird light in his face and he's kind of just like, like like it's like he's like motioning and it's like a weird thing you can't even they're doing it like in the middle of the day it's like three in the afternoon or something (laughs) like that like it's a weird time for uh and there's like 40 henchmen yeah yeah and you can't tell what he's looking at like uh, robert loge's eyes yeah like yeah Mm. yeah as she Mm. strips in front of him i i feel like i need to i mean i like I hate that I want to go back and watch the whole movie again because <laughs> even you guys talking about these scenes and how it how it, you know wraps around and connects back up to the beginning and this is this was one of them how how uh, Alice walked in and uh it was almost kind of like you know what she was telling Pete was not what was happening on screen. So I was getting very confused as to what was going on because, you know, Pete mm-hmm. was just like in, in the like jealous fit, like, tell me what happened and, you know, I won't be mad, but tell me what was going on. And she was just like, oh, we, I just went over there for work. And meanwhile, she's mm-hmm. going over there to, to uh, unzip Robert Loge's pants in front of 40 men. Right. Yeah. And it, it's, it's the same story that she basically tells later Bill Pullman. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, which makes me want to hear that all over again, yeah. too, because at, at the time, you know, I don't know what I'm listening to at the beginning of the movie, and now it, it all sinks back up, especially when there's the two two girls, mm-hmm. Renee and Alice, for a while. and I so, so having watched it twice in the last 24 hours or 48 hours, I, 
I, I, obviously, I picked up like in in the opening scene when he says Dick Laurent is dead and he walks around to the mirror to go look down. You can hear sirens receding oh, into the distance. Oh, really? So that's a nice tie uh, that I didn't pick up before. I the first time I saw it, I was like, why are they showing this street? And the fact that the street is empty is there something yeah. important that happened there? And it's the sirens that have gone away. Mm. Um, but other than that, I think most of it I got in the first mm. view. So I'm sure Dale, I think you, I think you got it. Okay. Yeah. I think my, you know, my Lynch guard was up, so I was just, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I was That's like, right. stop messing with me. <laughs> <laughs> Your frontispiece. <laughs> so, so she, Alice, comes up with a plan. They're gonna rob Andy. And I just want to say, like, I don't know if you guys have ever been presented with pulling off a caper, but, like, there was a <laughs> lot of details. It was like, I'll set it up for tomorrow night. You meet me at his place at 11 o'clock. Don't drive. Take the bus. Make sure no one follows you. His address is easy to remember. It's 2224 Deep Dell Place. White stucco job in the south. Yeah, yeah, well, I I loved it though because it was very. It felt like I was right in a 1940s noir movie where yes, yes. the femme fatale. It's one take and it is right in on yeah. her face, which I thought was. And amazing. it's where the the femme fatale like drops her plan and it's oddly mm. planned out <laughs> to the to a T. In that moment, it's like she's got had this plan all along. She's just using her vagine yeah. and her nice boobs to get Pete warmed up to the, the the idea that you know to get in her pocket and she's going to drop this plan that she's had planned out she just needed some sucker to but it's also like you could just say it, it's all his fantasy though that's right like if he's if he's this is his mind exactly filling in gaps you know exactly i do love um there were a couple of phone calls that she made to him there was one shot that was like just her eyes and then there were a lot of shots yeah. that were like just her lips, lips. with the phone. There's one where, you know, she, he answers the phone and she says, meow, meow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The subtitles on that, I was like, what? <laughs> that, that was You're whispering to your wife, did he just say meow? Yeah. <laughs> Crystal's note at some point during this, because this is like where all the sex happens, she's like, there's a lot of thrusting faces in this movie so far. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, there is a lot of thrusty face. Um, so back at home, Pete gets a call from Mr. Eddie, um, who then puts the man in black on the phone. And I love the fact that the man in black says the exact yeah. same line uh, to open the conversation. Ugh. We've met before, haven't we? I don't think so. Where is it you think we've met? At your house. Don't you remember? No. No, I don't. In the East, the Far East, when a person is sentenced to death, they're sent to a place where they can't escape. Never knowing when an executioner may step up behind them and fire a bullet into the back of their head. In the Far East. We'll come back on this later, but I thought that was a yeah. nice uh, foreshadowing. Yeah, that's great. I did right before that scene. I, I did. I wrote down poor Sheila. I felt so bad for Sheila. Yeah, Sheila got oh, ghosted. Oh yeah, she got ghosted. Even 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 uh yeah uh Gary Busey felt bad for Sheila. Which oh, yeah. so, I know. Yeah. What was I, happening there? Right? Well, like they, it's like they were keeping a secret of what had happened. Well, well, I mean, I think he just ghosted Sheila, and then she shows up. 
and confronts him because he knows like you know she he's like obviously been running around with another lady uh and you know not that not that oh. from the previous night like the lights were flashing like the blue mm-hmm. it's like the temporal distortion or something is going on mm-hmm. sheila's standing there pete don't go mm-hmm. gary and his mom are running forward and then you have like a classic lynch like meat puppet oh like, that portal thing. or something like what the fuck was that that was fucking awesome is what that was yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. that set my mind on fire when you get that glimpse of that like yeah meat meat portal, portal. Yeah. yeah the meat yeah. portal yeah um man my mind was racing trying to figure it out figure out what was going on there uh it's like a guild navigator in dune like folding space yeah. between time or whatever Sure. Classic Dune riff. I mean, this I, I, is this is like an interesting, like this is like kind of a weird kind of body horror thing, which like Lynch is doing in this movie that is different than some of his other stuff, which is like, you know, there's this psychological element, which is he's created this alternate reality. Uh, you know, Bill Pullman's created this alternate reality in which he's Balthazar Getty and has a whole different life. And then, but he, you know, he can't help himself. He keeps getting pulled back into the same patterns. Like he puts Renee back in the pattern and like, you know, he's like got to rescue her. And so he ends up getting pulled back. Um, and that gets, ends up getting expressed as like this physical deformity, like both like, you know, Bill Pullman on the front end where he like, you know, he's bleeding or whatever, has a headache. And then Balthazar Getty wakes up and he's got this weird head deformity, like head ridge thing. It's getting bigger. Yeah. It's getting bigger at the beginning yeah yeah and then it kind of goes away as he keeps things together and then as like it starts falling apart like you know the physical aspect of being ripped apart psychically sort of becomes manifest again um and i i think that's i think that's different than some of his other stuff that doesn't usually involve as much kind of like um meat meat tunnels meat tunnels i feel are are, (laughs) yeah that, that also that that the the this the glimmer of the meat thing also made me go back to my mothering theory, mm. Uh, mm. mother and birth theory. I that, like it. That was a glimpse of his birth. Yeah, or rebirth. What's the, what's the Lady Hawk line we just had from two like weeks mother's ago? womb? Yeah, <laughs> gods, what a memory. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta see that. Oh yeah, you guys. After Beastmaster, you gotta you gotta watch Lady Hawk and then listen to the Dune Pod episode. Beep beep. <laughs> I did. I already did listen to it, so I'm spoiled. Oh, that's sweet. Um, <laughs> so now we go to Andy's. We're racing to our conclusion here. So first of all, I found this the most intense. Uh, the black and white 35 millimeter of Alice and Mr. Eddie playing on the wall. Yeah, wild. Um, it was very affecting. Um, and then you have Pete coming out at 11.15 and Andy wrestling him and then tossing him where he impales his head on a glass table. Jesus. So you guys are experts at, at impalements and, and other things on Bat and Spider. Like, how did yeah. how did Andy's treatment rank for you? Uh, I give it a 10. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, definitely 10 out of 10. 10. The, the, the use of high-quality sound effects so you knew exactly what happened before yeah. you even... Mm-hmm. 10 seconds before you saw the the scene yeah masterful and then they show it from that angle where you're still not sure but you're definitely sure and you hear the drips yeah yeah the carpet. Yeah. yeah and he's uh, just a up with his forehead you know on the corner of the coffee table oh gosh yeah that yeah. was that was some quality <laughs> visuals for us bat and spiders over here <laughs> i i was waiting for that scene the whole movie because you remembered in my head speaking of memories uh, of how my memory differs from the videotape your fugue state is that yeah, yeah. 
I remembered seeing that his head go into the corner. Like I, that was burnt oh. into my mind, that image. And hmm. so when the scene happened and you don't actually see it, I was like, wait a second. I was like, my mind <laughs> filled in the gaps there like way too yeah. well. Cause that was like one of the only scenes I remembered uh, like very vividly. Wow. And it was incorrect, but, Classic <laughs> but it's Pullman. still, it's still, God, it was beautiful. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. How, how art can do that. Right. Um, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. trigger a feeling or, or memory. Amazing. Um, so, so he's like super freaked out. He wants to go to the bathroom. Renee is like strangely calm, although she does. Say, he's like, we killed him. And she's like, you killed him. Yeah. Immediately. <laughs> she's just like, listen, I don't know who this yeah. we is. <laughs> Dude, amazing. Her like that was my favorite line of the whole movie. Yeah, I like that. Just her whole demeanor changed yeah. and yeah. was just like you killed him, Pete. Like yeah. it was just I was just like, "Oh my god, this whole time." Yeah. <laughs> and he's just a little boy. So he goes upstairs, he's freaking out, and he's going to use the bathroom. First of all, I don't know why you've got, like, a mansion in the Hollywood Hills and you don't have a bathroom on the first floor. Agreed. Yeah. He goes upstairs, uh, (laughs) speaking as a guy who's doing a remodel, um, he goes upstairs (laughs) to, to, to use the bathroom, and I love that he's suddenly transported to the Lost Highway Hotel. We don't know what it is yet, but he's walking down this hotel, uh, hallway, and he opens up room 26. And Alice is inside having sex while Rammstein plays. Uh-huh. And I just love yes. that scene. And she's like, did you want to talk to me? Huh? Did you want to ask me why? The Rammstein was unexpected in the soundtrack mm-hmm. for this movie. And fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. And fantastic, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, I mean... Uh, yeah, he kind of started the metal use, I feel like, in Wild at Heart, which was Wild at yeah. Heart. Oh, yeah. Not right yeah, before yeah, yeah. this. I guess Twin Peaks was in between. But 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 it's and, it, we didn't talk about how Barry Gifford co-wrote this, and he wrote the uh, Sailor and Lou, the novels, which Wild at Heart was based on. Oh, um, really? Oh, yeah, wow. and, and he co-wrote wow, this wow. movie with Lynch. Yeah, um, yeah. But he, used, he uses metal, like in Wild at Heart, when... The opening scene. Got something for you. Marietta tells me you've been trying to fuck her in the tortoise for the past 10 minutes. Oh, man. Crazy fucking bad boy. Trying to fuck your girl's mama. Now tell me, how that cute little cunt Lula feel about that? Hmm? Uh-oh. You know, uh, Marietta just gave me this yeah. to kill you. And after she said Lula was mad, Yeah, smashing the brains out on the uh, on the steps. Yeah. Mm. And when he punches people, sometimes he'll, he'll play a quick metal, mm. like it it slips. In I was there. so so I I was uh, I, whatever year Wild at Heart came out. Um, I was in Gainesville, Florida at the time. So I go to the theater uh, with Will and Dave, and we sit down to watch this movie. We're very excited. I'm a David Lynch fan, and in the row in front of us, River Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix and like their posse hanging what? out because they were very big in the Gainesville scene. <laughs> and Wild at Heart starts and it starts with a pure metal like guitar scene as a guy, as Nicolas Cage is smashing a guy's brains out onto these stairs. Very intense. And the film melts. Oh, wow. <laughs> 
Yeah. And oh, they have to come out, they have to come out and tell us like it's over, it's not oh, gonna happen. They what? don't have another copy. Crazy. And and so they give us a thing and river and and Joaquin walk out and we we cruise out. Man, if I was in that projection booth, I would have fixed that in five minutes and had it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Give me some Because yeah, I've done like, that. I've burnt film. Really? Uh, and watched it melt and had my heart drop out of my butt. All right. And, uh, and you had to fix it. You got yeah. right back up in there, right? Oh, well, you just spice it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get right. Yeah, yeah. Just cut off the bad bits, splice it back together and Amazing. get it rolling again. Drop in some uh, some subliminal images. Yeah, and yeah. Good to go. <laughs> Fight club all the way. Wow, that's a that's a great story, man. Oh yeah, man. that was a wild that was a wild one. Um, all right, so so she says, "Hey, I have a fence, you know, that can that can sell Andy's stuff. So let's cruise out into the desert." So they go out there. It is, of course, Mister Black's cabin, which we had seen in previous visions. So he is very uncomfortable with the idea of going in there. So they have to wait. So then they have sex in the desert. And I just want to say, like, what is the probability that you have sex naked, lying on the dirt ground desert floor with no blanket? I definitely, when when Bill Pullman stands up, the first thing I looked for was, like, how, how much sand was on his back. I was like, he must be real. <laughs> I was like, oh, like they brushed him off. Like there was like a deep, there was a deep schmutzing of him after. Because that was my first thought. I was like, oh, lots of yeah. sand. Lots Especially of sand. Especially with those headlights and they're right in their face. Yeah. Very, it doesn't seem great. I hate sand. Yeah. It gets <laughs> everywhere. I hate sand. <laughs> How about the, the, I, I, I want this as like a screensaver on my computer, but the reverse cabin burning. Yeah. Uh, every yeah. time they show the cabin, Amazing. I was so in love with that. I could yeah. watch it yeah. all day. There was so much time spent on watching it yeah. reverse. It was it was awesome. Yeah. But then it never paid out the other way. Like I kept waiting for the explosion or the or the burning yeah. or whatever, yeah. and it didn't happen. It's true. Class classic David Lynch. Just happens in your yeah. mind. So unsatisfying. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. In Chuck's mind, it happened. He had he had uh, yeah. had that vision. <laughs> so so they're having sex. You know, she had yeah. said. She wants him to tell her that he wants her, and he does. She, he says that he wants her, and then she stops him and says, you'll never have me, and just walks <laughs> into the cabin. That was rough. Effing. Mm-hmm. That was great. Effing sick. Yeah. Especially after the payoff, because, he, you know, he, he, re- he repeats for 20 minutes, I want you. Mm. You know, so the, so the payoff, when she says, you'll never have me, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And, well, that, and that's what brings him, and that's what, like, brings... Bill Pullman back. Brings him back. Yeah. Right. So Fred So Fred is back. Pete is gone. Fred is... Who knows where Pete has gone? Maybe Pete's back at his parents' house. But Yay, Fred. Fred is back there, and he turns, and he sees Mr. Black is sitting in the car. Then he turns and sees Mr. Black is standing at the cabin and walks inside, and he goes up there. Where's Alice? Alice who? Her name is Renee. If she told you her name is Alice, she's lying. And your name. What the fuck is your name? What the fuck is your name? He, that's a real good reading. I like that line reading by the. That was intense, yeah, right? It was good. What is what's happening? Like the the man in black is kind of changing, right? Yeah, I mean, I think he's just like I think the man in black's like taking the carpet away, which is just, you know, like I think the I think this is like the sort of you know whatever he's popping up as the assassin at the the who sneaks up on you or whatever the line is. Um, mm. And it's just like, yeah, like, you know, all this bullshit you were telling yourself about, you know, Alice and like, 
this other existence you created, that was all fucking bullshit. You're a wife murderer, and now I'm here, you know, and you're going to die. Mm. Man. And, all, and this, whole, this whole time I'm thinking, like, I, in my life, honest to God, I never thought I'd get to see Patricia Arquette naked, but here I am with <laughs> a, a whole movie full of Patricia Arquette naked, so. You just had to have uh, your brain opened up. Uh, Doompod.com. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I, I mean, I was um, just impressed with the concept of like when she walks into the, uh, you know, she gets up and says, you'll never have me. And she walks into the cabin. There's just this long shot of her walking naked up the yeah. stairs and going into that. And just the presence, the confidence, the 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 skill mm-hmm. to just to be able to do that. And through this entire film, um, yeah. you know, to really put herself out there um, is very powerful. Yeah, agreed. I mean, because she was... She had a lot of new scenes in this movie, and she yeah. was fantastic in it. I mean, if she was just acted her bees off, man. Yeah, she said she said in some interview that Lynch was very good about this, and he would have very closed sets with only uh, personnel that had to be there. So it was very nice you know, and robes whenever she wanted them. So it was mm-hmm. you know, amazing. You know, I guess as comfortable as you can be in that situation, depending on right. your personality. <laughs> I think of Lynch as being like a guy who's like really like slightly off kilter in terms of his view on the world and able to create these very uncomfortable, bizarre. I think of Bobby Peru in Wild at Heart, one of the Willem Dafoe, like one of the most upsetting scenes in history, in cinema history. Um, it's just so powerful to be able to put you in this mind space Um but I also think of him as like this nice guy and this thoughtful Midwestern yeah. guy. It's a just a weird uh, juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. So Fred takes off. He runs away and he ends up at the Lost Highway Hotel. He goes up to room 26. They don't show him opening the door, but Renee is in the room with Mr. Eddie having sex. Mm-hmm. And he then waits for her, Mr. Eddie to come out catches him, throws him in the trunk, more Rammstein. Uh, more playing, Rammstein. Is, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Rammstein playing Rammstein. Which which I, I just love now because at, I think at the time, Lost Highway soundtrack came out before I knew of Duhast. I think Duhast came out after. Duhast. So yeah. that's when I officially knew of Rammstein. And so to, to hear Rammstein in this, I, I know I listened to the uh, – the soundtrack, but I never paid attention to, you know, who was singing what yeah. at the time. So I was like, oh, my God, it's fucking Rammstein. It sounds exactly Did you right go to the Camelot? Think. You go to the Camelot New Releases book and go yeah. see what, tra- what track it was? <laughs> exactly. At the podium in the middle of the store, store 308. No, where'd you work, Dale? Coconut? Coconut? No, I never worked in the Coconut. It was only Camelot. Oh. It was a Camelot. So how about the way Loja explodes out of the trunk when, when yeah. Fred opens oh, yeah. the trunk? <laughs> oh, yeah. Hardcore. Do you think that was him or stunt guy? No, I'm sure it was a stunt guy. But So they're wrestling, they're wrestling around, and in the midst of struggling on the desert, Fred just holds his hand out to the side, <laughs> and Mr. Black puts the knife into his hand. Yeah, that's God, great. I love but it. it. it's like a skit. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> Did we know it was Mr. Black yet when you see that happen? I can't remember if we see him. I think yet. so. Oh, okay, we did know. Okay. I, th- I think so. I think I'll have to go back know. and take another look, yeah. but I'm, I'm pretty sure. So he cuts his throat, but then there's like two minutes of, of him after his throat is cut, still talking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what do you uh, want? <laughs> it's like, yeah. what do you care? You're going to die. <laughs> yeah, that was like a samurai movie. Still giving yeah. the business. Yeah. Yeah. But so Mr. Black hands him a camera 
and he he looks at the camera or he he looks at the video playing and it shows this sex club party at Andy's house and this is where you have the snuff film that plays out of killing these models and blood splattering on on other models while Laurent is having sex with Renee mm -hmm. so like is that the thing in this fantasy is like this is the payback for Dick Laurent is the is the real evil here yeah the put the, in this fantasy Dick Laurent is the real evil and he's the hero um but yeah that's that's what he's that's what he's created okay that helps do you get that chuck kind of yeah i mean this was definitely the one most challenging part to my brain in the movie was this whole end section with the hotel and that that film uh the snuff film like with and then marilyn i think when i saw twiggy ramirez and marilyn manson show up I, my brain was just yeah. like oh <laughs> fuck <laughs> like put on the brakes i was like what what's going on here yeah 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 <clears throat> Little self protection. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, the last line for for Mr. Eddie is, "You and me, we can really out ugly them, son of a bitches, or <laughs> some, sons of bitches, some of bitches, some bitches." Yeah. Yeah. And Mr. Black shoots him in the head, just like in the East. Yeah. Um, and then he whispers in Fred's ear for our Boston uh, translation moment. Yeah. 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 Very cool, David. Thank you. What did he say, Jason? <laughs> I mean, we're you know we're obviously not like we're obviously not allowed to know. Uh, yeah. And like you know, I mean, like it kind of goes to like the whole who is the mystery man, like which like Lynch is pretty cagey about, and that's like the one thing he's pretty cagey about in the interviews is like when they they ask like who's the mystery man or whatever. He's like, I can't say anything more about that. He's there because he has to say some things, and he says them. <laughs> uh, but to say more would be. I just don't think it would be wise. <laughs> I want to watch that interview over and over again. Because it's great. It is. It's a master class in being an artist and be, doing an interview and not saying a goddamn thing. Yeah, it's pretty good. Constantly. He, it's pretty good. He <laughs> it's gives so some, fucking awesome. He gives a lot of stuff. He gives. He gives. He feels very approachable, but he doesn't actually. If that's the only moment where he really clams up, but he does a pretty good job yeah. of just not saying a lot while still giving like some details like some helpful details well let me let me just ask let me just ask this question so so we kind of we glossed over we talked about uh you know chuck and dale uh you know being responsible for bat and spider which is incredible chuck also having created the end of the fucking world um and um i'm not okay with this i'm not okay with this thank you i have it in print copy signed by charles but so how do you deal with how people understand or interpret your artwork as you create it uh, and how it's interpreted by other people and then exposed at another level to people. I try and be like Lynch, but I, I, I have a harder time. Not, it depends on the question. It depends on what they're asking, but I, I, I have been like him in the past where I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, in a nice way, I'm like, I'm not going to answer that. But, uh, because I would rather people, you know, you know, you, I can't control, I don't want to control everything that people put into stories they read. So, and I, mm. that's the part I really enjoy. I like, I like the idea that people bring all their own stuff. Um, and mm. that depending on what you leave out and what you put in informs, uh, what they get out of it. Um, I don't even know if that made sense what I just said, but, uh, that's, yeah, I, I, I like, I like Lynch for that. I like, I like how he, he challenges you with what he decides to put on frame. And what he doesn't, mm. you know, like I said, all the silence in the beginning, I, I, it, I just feed on that because it, nice. it, it makes your, it makes, at least for me, it makes my brain fire 
a lot because <laughs> I'm trying to like fill in gaps, you know? Yeah. And Dale, when you're editing the pod, like, how do you like, you're like, fuck exactly. these people. They just take this slurm. I'm going to give it to them. Same levels of same, same vibes is what Chuck is just saying. It's really there, hard you know? for him to, to drag my audio into the trash bin. He's <laughs> like, I'll give you some silence. No, it's, it's actually, it's, I, I actually, I'm a little bit in awe because, you know, I, I do the show with Chuck, but, you know, I don't really interview Chuck. We're just two guys on the podcast. So it's cool to hear somebody ask somebody ask him questions that I would, you know, would be always be curious of, but I would never ask him that kind of stuff. Oh, you can ask me anytime. Two man show. So oh my God. I'm kind of in awe. Listen, my, my buddy Chuck. <laughs> my God. Well, I'm in awe of what you guys do every day. So I'll just, I'll just leave it there. Oh. Um, so, so Fred drives home. He goes, he rings the buzzer. He says, Dick Laurent is dead. Um, and then goes and jumps in his car and gets chased by the cops. We do have a scene of like semi transformation as he's driving down the highway. Yeah. Um, that was great. Uh, again, some more meat tunnel mm-hmm. um, action. Prosthetics put on his head. There's some speculation that like that scene of him, like the meat transformation of him kind of like coming apart at the seams there um, is like him actually being electrocuted like in real life. Like that's like the sort of the Whoa. final like fantasy of of that moment. Oh, hmm. wow. Interesting. Yeah. What did we learn, Jason? What did we learn about Dune from this film? I think I think we learned how crazy it is that Lynch was ever given the original De Laurentiis Dune to direct in the first place. Like, this is not a guy who should have been directing, like, a <laughs> science fiction epic. Like, it just doesn't make any goddamn sense that that's, like, that he should have been paired with that. I think David Lynch should, you know, make movies for as long as he wants to. I, I'll, I'll be happy to see him, but, like, it just doesn't seem like the grand sci-fi epic where there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of very specific plot exposition that needs to happen in an unambiguous way. That doesn't seem like his strength given uh, what we saw in Lost Highway. But he's a great filmmaker. What, what, what did he do right before Dune? Was, was it Elephant, Elephant Man. So okay. he went from yeah. like a, whatever, like an $8 million black and white independent film to a $40 million mm. science fiction epic. Um, and he wrote like six drafts of the script. He worked with Frank Herbert. Yeah. Like he was definitely oh. plugged in and going for it. But this was only two years after turning down Return of the Jedi. Actually, one year after re- turning down Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah, that that's Whoa. weird too. So that was a it was a a weird choice for sure. Thank God he didn't do that. <laughs> Jesus, wow. Mm-hmm. When, to hear uh you know H and and Jason talk about that like ref- so you're reflecting on David Lynch doing Dune based on what you see in Lost Highway and Jason you mentioned that you know he had no uh, like to see to think about him doing Dune is unfathomable when you see Lost Highway and right. things like that. But what did that what does that do for your experience watching Dune, David Lynch's Dune? Yeah, that's a good question. Like a standalone not thinking about David Lynch directing Dune, but to, just to see Dune the movie. Dune is its own epic place. Like it will never be tied like it has all of the weirdness of Lynch for sure. Um, and it, it doesn't make sense in a lot of ways, but it also is what I grew like. I saw it in the theaters when I was 14 years old. So I will, it will always hold a magical spot in my heart, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't work as an actual film. I love it. I think it makes me wish that, I mean, like if he was going to be able to do it, that he had been given sort of the full, uh, 
scope like he'd been able to turn he'd been able to do like a six hour version or whatever that like was like you know that that had had all of the pieces in it because like the problem with his the problem with his uh he, he like the movie that exists isn't a david lynch movie at all like he disavows it um and so mm. uh i i would have liked to see him actually get to make the movie i would be interested to know what the movie he would have made there is um and maybe it would have been way more abstract um and less concrete and like would only be make sense if you knew the dune story um but that could yeah. be awesome i will i will say this um i love the fact that they made it it was a critical and commercial disaster dino de Laurentiis took over the final edit of it um, against David's wishes. And oh, after it was God. done, Dino funded Blue Velvet and produced it and gave yeah. Lynch the ability to still have an incredible career oh, wow. that resulted in Lost Highway and everything else. So I think we're fortunate that that all, that that all came out. Yeah. So, so was, that, was that in an act of good faith by Argento to say, like, I, I had to take Dune by away Dino. from you. Dino, yeah. Yes. I had to yeah. take Dino, uh, Dune away from you, but here's Blue Velvet. Yes, Whoa. exactly. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. That's wild. Um, One more question. Does Dune, does Lynch's Dune feel at home with it, with what Dune means to you guys, like aesthetically? Like, does it feel like a piece of Dune? Or yeah, is it just like... definitely. Completely... I mean, especially for me, because like Lynch's Dune was the f- my first experience of Dune. Um, Like I had, I saw the movie before I saw the, read the book. So there's things in the, yeah. there's things in the movie like the weirding modules, like the audio sonic weapons, Chucks. which are created for the movie. It's a you know Lynchian invention. It's not in the book, but mm-hmm. we're are so like ingrained in my appreciation of the movie, like in of the lore that like I feel it should be part of like the Dune universe. And like I'm not the only one. Like when they made the video games, like the idea that the Atreides had sonic weaponry was just like built into the lore of the video games as well um and so i i i'm not super precious we've and we've talked about this before but i'm not super precious about doing the source material i think like people should be able to do like i would like they're just people to do different stuff in the world and like you know take different parts of them interest them and like really do what they want my my regret i guess with lynch and and dune is that that never really happened for him because like he gotten this mm. he got baked backed into a corner um but yeah squeezed yeah but i still like there's parts of it that like still like really feel as much a part of my appreciation of dune as anything in the books or anything in the frank herbert originals so uh, i'm 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 grateful it exists yeah i i will say i, I saw an interview this week uh, a very old interview with dino and dino was talking about how he got squeezed mm. so it's not like it's not like he was like oh let's have some fun and just cut this arbitrarily he was under extreme pressure um, to bring the movie in and have it make a little more sense uh, and be and be a little tighter. A lot of squeezers, a lot of squeezers in the Dune world. That's a lot of squeezers. All right, so who would Tilda Swinton play in Lost Highway? <laughs> Dale, Chuck, every week, every movie, we recast one role with Tilda Swinton. <laughs> yeah. So, Dale, I'm going to put you on the spot. Who would Tilda Swinton play in your version of Lost Highway? Yes. <sighs> God. There's one very obvious answer in my mind. Yeah, and I'm trying not to lean lean in that. Uh, God, gee, that's a good question. Jeez. There's a couple that I feel like. I'm try- now I'm replaying the movie in my head. like I'm watching it in my head like David Lynch. Is, that, is, is this always a trick question uh, because she can play everyone in every movie? Of course. That's the, 
the idea. Yeah, there's not there's there's seldom wrong answers, but that's right. Um, wow, we have stumped Bat and Spider. We've stumped Bat and Spider. You have. I would like to see her play Fred and uh, Balthazar. Amazing. She can transform and she could do both Fred and Pete. Oh, nice. Fred and Pete. Okay. Um, Very good. She got a lot of screen sure, time. I'll there. say that. Yeah. I wanted. Her, <laughs> okay. I, I would uh, recast her as uh, Andy. With the with the mustache. <laughs> And the robes. Oh, God, that would be cool. The robes, definitely. Maybe not the mustache. You know, Tilda would be, Tilda would be twi- Tilda. Yeah, I would do I would do her as Mr. Black. I, I would love to see her as the man oh. black. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's. With yeah. a white face paint like that. She, I think she would be terrifying in that role. I would do her as Robert Loja. Uh, yes. For sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I think would be a lot of fun. I'd love to see Tilda Swinton as a mob boss. Have we talked about that? I feel I've said that before, but uh, uh, yeah, I'd love to see Tilda Swinton. It's all, it's all circular. Yeah, it's how, all circular. Love, how intimidating would that be? God. Yeah, <laughs> Tilda Swinton. Oh, Redo yeah. the Godfather with Tilda Swinton <laughs> in the uh, Marlon Brando role. Is this has this been since episode one? What's Tilda Swinton yeah, have since, to do with? Is she in the new Dune? I don't know if it was in the first episode. It was in the first episode. Or I don't know if it was in the first episode, but it was pretty early on. The only only real genesis for it is that in my fan casting of Dune for the longest time, Tilda Swinton was my pick to play Jessica Atreides. Um, Sure. And uh, in fact, when they made the... um, When they made the the Children of Dune sci-fi miniseries, Alice Kruge plays... uh, Alice Kriga. Kriga. Plays from uh, Star Trek, yeah. First Contact, yeah. The Borg, the Borg Queen. Queen, yeah. Oh, Dale, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And she's kind of like the poor man's Tilda Swinton. Um, <laughs> anyway, so all right, all right. I'm gonna put a pin in it. Yeah. Let's get to letters. Yeah, this is gonna be a long one. Matt's gonna have a lot of edits. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. One, no, more, one thing. more thing. Go. No, yeah, one more thing. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. This is our show too. God damn it. Oh, please, Chuck. No, I'm just. I'm kidding. Uh, it was a joke. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Chuck, I was going to have your back. Chuck, you can express I just yourself. Wanted, I it's wanted a to, safe space, I Chuck. I want to hear your, it. No, right. I wanted to put your brakes on one more time because I thought it was funny. All right, very yeah, good. Yeah, he's just itching to get on. <laughs> All right, here we go. Just a couple of quick emails and then, and then uh, two voicemails. All right, so first one is from Dennis T. Kirk. This is him writing back in. He says, Lady Hawk, a short message. Hi, all. Just caught up and finished your Lady Hawk episode, which was great. I had forgotten about Matthew Broderick's alternating voice. Even greater is the news you're covering Excalibur in a couple of episodes. One of my favorite films Mm. and one I watched as a possibly far too young youth many, many times. Believe me, Groagola, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Often was the time I cast an imaginary Excalibur into some lake many years ago. I may do that again someday. On the subject of fantasy films for the 1980s, have you seen Crawl? Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Thank Christ. Someone has finally brought up Crawl. <laughs> I mean, obviously, Crawl obviously is amazing. Obviously, we love Crawl. Obviously, yeah. we love Crawl. Uh, Chuck, Dale? Yeah. Chuck, Dale? I've never Krull? seen it. Oh, yeah, wow. I've never se- I think it was just, uh, I think the Blu-ray was just ultra cheaply on sale uh, according to bat and spiders <laughs> discord um but yeah. no i've never seen crawl wow peter yates directed that okay chuck dale excalibur excalibur john borman i think i've seen it but i don't remember anything about it 
Yeah, John <laughs> Borman, man. I, I would love Guys, this is right up your freaking alleys. So you'll you'll Yeah. Well, that's why we're doing a so show. So my former dungeon master Brian Mosley is coming on Dune Pod to cover Excalibur. Ooh. So, yeah, that's coming up in just like 3 weeks. It's going to be amazing. Very excited. So, Crawl, we'll consider it. We'll see if there's a connection that we can get. There's got to be a connection. Uh, he says this is one of those films that not many people know of its existence, which is a damn shame. It's great, cheesy classic. If you have seen, haven't seen this stuff, treat yourself. Loving the podcast, guys. Den, a.k.a. Grow Agola. Thank you, Dennis. Thank you so much for writing in. Thank you, Dennis. Yeah, love it. That was awesome. John Borman took a shot at the uh, Lord of the Rings, right? And wasn't he... Yeah, so, so Dale, Dale turned me on to the book Anything You Can Imagine, a uh, biography on um, our man Peter Jackson. So, yes, John Borman, he, like, wanted a sexy, violent Lord of the Rings, like an R-rated, and he was turned down... And he just rolled that straight into Excalibur. Excalibur so yeah. you'll love it. Great movie. It's wild that the uh, Peter Yates directed Crawl. Uh, like his previous credits include like Bullet. <laughs> like it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing you'd go yeah. from doing like Bullet, like one of the most like iconic, like you know, macho car movies of all time, and be like, yeah. What about a and breaking dude with away a fucking, too? A fucking bladed boomerang. How about, yeah. that? How about that? That's a movie. I had that moment with seventy millimeter. They were just this week. They were covering Apocalypse Now, and they were talking about how incredible the cinematography was. And I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. Storario mm-hmm. went from from Apocalypse Now to Dune, the miniseries. It pretty much so. killed this bro's career too. Like that was it. Like Crow was a horrible. Crow was I had a budget of fifty million and made seven dollars, and uh, <laughs> that was the end of that was the end of my guy. So sad. <laughs> All right, subject line from Bill Hornway. Subject line, Bat and Spider. Uh-oh. Jeez. Oh, oh, being Whoa. addressed by name. Band's Army is here. Dune Pod, thanks for bringing on the gang from Bat and Spider. Love to see these two podcasts unite. I have a question for Dale. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Hope it's not about Dune. <laughs> In terms of all the movies you've seen for the podcast, which has the best topless women? <laughs> Friend, I think there are Tatas and Lost Highway, but it's been years since I watched it, so I'm looking for your opinions. Who Thanks wrote, from Cincinnati. Who, who who is this? This is Bill Hornway, friend friend of the show. Bill, no, Bill's not a friend of the show anymore. He's banned. I, I'm banning him right now. Okay, yes, we don't just use Tatas. Just kidding, <laughs> Dale. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I I mean now I can't even answer the question. There's too much pressure from my partner Chuck to uh... say Lost Lost Highway. <laughs> I mean Lost Highway's got the best. Um, in terms of Bat and Spider movies, the best. I, I, I'm not going to answer this for he, Matt. Hey, just going to cut this, this out anyway. This is, yeah. This whole thing is out. <laughs> 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 All right. Final email. Hopefully not too late from one Michael Santi, a.k.a. Oh, Catcher. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. According to a YouTube ad I just watched, David Lynch has a masterclass video series. I can't even imagine such a thing. Based on Lost Highway, what are three filmmaking techniques David Lynch would teach for his masterclass? This is not an ad for masterclass. Love to you all, catcher. All right. What are three filmmaking um, techniques? I mean, production design. Like, you know, he'd have a he'd have a he'd have a a whole little section on like coffee tables, on like <laughs> you know, primary color, minimalistic mid-century coffee tables. I think would be how to have twenty minutes of no talking. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah. I, I did read that he kept his actors in the dark on this movie. Uh, like they, the script mm. was, was very minimal. Like there was not much description and he purposely didn't tell them what was happening day to day, um, in the story. So the char- he wanted them to kind of have this strange, awkward performance where they didn't really know what was happening next. Uh, which I think worked really well. It made it pretty unique to, to watch. Totally. Dale? Catch no catcher. I, no, I, you, know, I, you know me. I don't know. Get, get, uh, get out of here. Get Trent Reznor to. Put yeah, the soundtrack together. Like soundtracks it. would be a good. So I yeah, think soundtrack yeah, yeah. would be a good. I'd love to hear. Yeah, my only regret is us not talking about the soundtrack in this movie more. You know? Yeah, we mostly talked about Ramstein. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but the, I mean, even that. What's the Smashing Pumpkin song in the? Uh, yeah, the, 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 the uh, in the scene? dance scene. Oh man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Who? who wait, wait. So, so. I like I love the idea of a like a cool dance club playing Smashing Pumpkins in the bowling alley, which I I, I kind of related to in my little town in South Jersey. I mean, there wasn't anything to do, but the bowling alley was there for especially for the kids under 21. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the bowling oh, yeah. alley was there, especially on the weekends when they had like midnight bowling and stuff. Rock and bowl. You just go to the bowling alley and you red ass around. And but I mean, this one is like upgraded because it was still kind of like a crappy bowling alley, but it had a whole side room with a DJ yeah. and you could dance in and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I've related to, to the f out of the f out of this. Scene. Me too, me too. Yeah, those kids were living the dream. When I lived in Vermont, there was a this very small town. There was a bowling alley that had a strip club next to it. That was like <laughs> like they were connected. They were basically the same business. <laughs> yes, just a just a door. In high school, or like when I was at home in St. Louis from college, I once drove an hour and a half from St. Louis to attend what we thought was a rave in a bowling alley in. <laughs> rural <laughs> Illinois, but turned out to just be some sad kids watching Woody Woodpecker cartoons. <laughs> man. man. I'm tripping, man. Uh, oh, my God. Um, Catcher closes his letter by saying, P.S. I'm not a font search engine. Oh, come on, this, Catcher, you are. Yeah. he. So so Jim Lynn for Pope in the Discord, uh, you know, like dig a, did a Google search, but it was inconclusive. Mm-hmm. Catcher, I understand it, uh, uh, bailing out. All right, we are going to move on to our voicemail segment. Here is our first voicemail. I think we will all recognize this voice. Doing fine, Bat and Spider, it's Corey. I'm calling from my car, which seems kind of appropriate for Lost Highway. Mm. Um, and hey, Chuck, Dale, great. I'm glad you guys are on Pod. This is fucking awesome. Anyway, I love, love, love Lost Highway. It is one of my all-time favorite movies. Everything about it is great. All the casting, the soundtrack, that sax solo, Red Pass with Teeth that he, Pullman whips out is so freaking amazing. I know Bill Pullman didn't really play it, but uh, everything about this movie is fantastic. Uh, but I'm really glad you guys are covering it, and I'm very curious to hear what you guys have to say about it. Uh, I can talk about it. For hours, but I won't because it's not my podcast. I'd rather listen to you guys do it. All right. Have a great one. I hope my audio isn't too shitty. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) So the other thing that our two podcasts have is both of us have been interviewed in Scree Magazine, the the cut and paste job from Corey. Heck yeah. Um, You guys trailblazed uh, with an awesome interview in issue two, and we are in issue number three. Yeah, Corey. We love Corey over at Bat and Spider. He's awesome. He's always uh, contributing with voicemails, and I love that he loves movies of all kinds. And uh, you want to talk about a dude who loves, like, movie soundtracks? Mm. 
that guy has so mm. many like off the cuff um like horror movie soundtracks on vinyl. Whoa. If you ever if you, you haven't heard about him, he should you should uh get him to call in or supply pictures because he's got an epic collection of like random like things on soundtrack, like everything. It's amazing. Crazy. Crazy. I will say for Dune Pod fans who love Corey, check out the Bat and Spider episode on Orca, um, which was the first time I think I was aware of him because didn't he then write write in and, and do an Orca drawing? Yeah, that's yeah. He drew the metal wow. metal Orca. Metal Orca. That's the, awesome. The metal. I have it here. It's just an amazing. <laughs> it's an amazing episode. Uh, people should definitely check that out. That is a highlight of the of the Batman. Orca. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Lots yeah. of ambiance on that. Who was it? Uh, Richard. <laughs> Who started that? Oh, oh, uh, Peter Richard O'Toole. Her- Richard no, Hale. it's uh, Richard. Peter O'Toole. Um, <laughs> Who is it? You think Lords of Arabia is, is was an orca? Although, Richard yeah, Harris. Richard, that's Sorry, Richard, yeah, Harris. Richard Harris. Come on, Richard Harris. Yeah, Richard. Richard Harris literally just won't Charlotte say no. Charlotte Rampling just won't say no to shit. <laughs> Wasn't he Beckett? I mean, come on, he's a real deal. No, he's great. All right. Oh, I, here we go. Vo- somebody voicemail. does. Somebody does want to say something uh, uh, in regards to Corey's voicemail. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Metal Orca himself. Nice. Love Saying it. Saying hi. Old Metal Orca, do you like when Corey calls in and does voicemails? <laughs> yeah. Wow, Charlotte Rambling is in Orca, so we could watch yes. Orca for yeah. uh for Dune Pod. Oh shit. Oh my god, I didn't even think about that. Oh, is that a Dune connection? Yeah, Charlotte yes. Rampling plays the Reverend Mother. In, oh man, in the new Dune. The new Dune. Oh, yeah. so we, that's wow. why we watch. That's why we watch Zardoz. I'm pretty sure it's also a Dino De Laurentiis production. Oh, there are a lot of uh, uh, Charlotte Rampling strands in our Bat and Spider universe too. She's mm-hmm. been a ton of Bat and Spider esque movies. Nice, yeah. amazing. All right, here is our second voicemail. Okay, I had to call back now that I'm not in the car. I did want to say that the very first time I saw uh, Lost Highway, a buddy and I ate an enormous amount of <laughs> and watched it on VHS. Oh. And oh. the movie made complete and total sense to me. So, <laughs> that's, that's great. That. All right. Thanks, guys. That's it. That's, my, that's, that's the great. key for me. That's the key. We yeah. needed this. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Corey, thank you so much. We love you as always. Here is our final voicemail for the night. Hello, June Pod. This is Neil calling from the UK. Oh, Jesus. I was listening to your most recent episode, the most excellent episode on Ronin, when I heard the call go out that it was time for all good Englishmen of stout hearts and strong arm to come to the service of Master and Commander, <laughs> the far side of the world. I absolutely accept the invitation to come and discuss this movie. It is a wonderful movie and it is so underwatched even to this day. Uh, I will. At the moment's notice, at the drop of a hat, I will set my main sails, I will beat to quarters, and I will be on my way to appear on your pod and discuss this film. I think it actually probably does have quite a lot to appeal to Dune fans as well, for reasons that I will discuss on that eventual episode. For now, continue the good work, lads, and I will see you very soon. Hell yeah. Wow. That's great. What a voice. That's great. Man, that was awesome. That was a really... That was a... That was a beautiful uh, voicemail. I thought I was afraid it was going to be about the um, the uh, IRA commentary from from Ronan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
no, our, strong, clear, I think. our strong Irish republicanism was going to get yeah. denounced. <laughs> but no, we're okay. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, yeah. We we took it hard on that one. Yeah. All right. Well, that that is the end of our listener feedback. So I just want to say, Chuck, Dale, what do you have to plug? Tell us something you're excited about. What like what's what's coming up next on Bat and Spider? Uh I don't know what's coming up next, Dale. Uh because we haven't decided yet, have we? Yeah, Chuck. Uh, I mean, so uh, we just recorded an episode on uh, what do we do? What am I? What am I editing at two a.m. tonight? Um, oh, sundown, uh, sundown, vampire in retreat. Anthony Hickox, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. of yeah. waxwork fame. Um, Bruce, uh, Bruce Campbell, Bruce Campbell's in that, and uh, David Carradine. A big 50th episode coming up, uh, almost celebrating Whoa. our one year anniversary of Bat and Spider. And we oh have, my God. Um, we have our uh, Tales from the Crypt episodes too, where we uh, talk about uh, one episode of Tales from the Crypt releases every Saturday. Mm-hmm. And um, what else? Batandspider.com. You can get Bat and Spider t shirts where pr- proceeds of that goes towards the uh, movement for black lives. Love it. And we have uh, stickers on there. We uh, Bat and Spider Discord. Yeah, we have the Bat and Spider Discord. You can join from batandspider.com. There's a whole lot going on in, uh, in our little uh, corner of the world, and we love each other. Jason, are you ready to spend 12 hours a week in a Dune Pod Discord? Uh, I mean, I, I, I hang out online. I don't mind, uh, I don't mind <laughs> chatting yeah. with people on the internet. Yeah, that's fine. I'm, I mean, the, the only other thing I got going on, I'm still playing the Valheim. Still, still uh, you know, nice. like cultivating my boars. Um, who are doing great, about to get some iron ore. So if people want to talk about that in Discord, uh, nice. want to talk about my long boats, I'm down. Chuck, Chuck, how about you? What are you playing? Uh, I'm back on the Rocket League train. Uh, oh, I can't get away from it. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Love it. That feels like one of those games that I just can't compete with the children against. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 a lifelong battle. It, I'll, I'll never be that good at it. But Yeah. Uh, Stuff blows up. It's yeah. fine. It all, it all works out. <laughs> yeah. You guys, thank you so much. Mm. I love you guys. I seriously, I am in awe at what you do every week. It is a joy to listen to. Um, and I cannot thank you enough for coming on to Doom Pod. That was really, really, really fun. Yeah, that was great. Uh, that was so exciting to uh, watch this movie that I hadn't seen in so long. <laughs> it was a yeah. It was a real pleasure to and sit down and dissect it with you guys. It was really fun. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on, you guys. Was the perfect drug on the soundtrack, but was that also on a nine inch nails soundtrack or was it just on this one? It was just for the uh for the soundtrack, yeah. It wasn't on an album. I hadn't listened to the soundtrack, but I did I do remember watching that video and that video directed by Mark Romanek. Yeah. Who is one of the show producers and directed the pilot episode of Tales from the Loop which is my fucking favorite television show right now that no one else will watch except for me. (laughs) So I'm just going to keep saying if anybody likes science fiction and anybody likes like beautiful, brooding, amazing juxtapositions of angst and nature and robots and machines, watch this show. It's fucking awesome. And what's it called again? Tales from the loop. It's based on the books by Simon Stallenhog, who is an incredible Northern European, um, artist and he does these incredible coffee table books and they completely Romanek and Matt Reeves who's directing our pats in the new Batman movie have done an incredible job of capturing um, these books uh, is this another thing like that you talk about every week that I've like blacked out somehow <laughs> uh, no yeah I don't think you I don't think you've mentioned this before 
I have not. Okay. Mark Romanek, Romanek put me over the top. So perfect drug. Right. Uh, made it happen. All right. I'm going to watch it for you, Matt. And that's it for this episode of Dune Pod. I want to thank Jason, Chuck, and Dale for an amazing conversation. That was so much fun. Next week, we study the work of Javier Bardem, Stilgar himself, and Roger Deakins in the fantastic potboiler Skyfall. Available for rent on all major platforms, in 4K no less. If you're enjoying this podcast, follow us at DunePod on Instagram and Twitter and share our social media posts as it really helps new listeners find the show. DunePod is a production of H Industries. Our artwork is by Catcher and our theme music was composed by Toby Forsman of Whipsong Music. The episode was produced and edited by me, H. Thanks for listening. We'll see everybody next week.